everybody. Welcome to episode 211 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, and thank the good Lord above, I am finally once again joined by my boy Joey Carrion returning from hiatus. Brother, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, yeah, it's been it's been like three weeks since last recorded uh, podcast together. I mean, you know, we went on vacation, which was which was lit. Mm-hmm. We had a good time, great um, time. Come back from vacation, not the best time for your boy. Got broken up with. That's always fun, right? Mm. Uh, so tough scene for that. So I been dealing with that so that's why i haven't been on the podcast for anybody wondering and i mean uh, the people in our discord already know but i I, yeah so i already told them and yeah so just been dealing with that and you know you got to work on your mental health first and foremost um you know that everybody knows that so yeah just been working on myself reflecting reflecting starting to heal which i think is important especially after you get out of a long-term relationship where you know you're just with one person consistently and then you lose them and it's hard like it's it's a whole different how do how do I want to put this it's a whole different like change in, in your in your life because you're you're so used to doing things one way and then it's just the exact opposite of of how you're used to living so it's just been a, a change that I've had to go through and you know take some time away from best ball and, and podcasting and shit and just work through that so Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Trust, I've been there, as you know. And I mean, it just sets off a whole chain reaction of change. You know, for example, you are now like 30 feet away from me recording this. We're we're roommates now. (laughs) Yeah, so so, I mean, technically, we could like record in person, you Mm -hmm. know, have like a little video joint that we kind of talked about before, like could do something with that. Who knows? But yeah, 30 feet away, you're right upstairs. Yep, it's 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 a whole new change. You know, going to be a lot of plotting going on uh, for the DFS <laughs> Dose crew. And look, for the focus of this episode, I kind of want to catch you up on what you've been missing. You know, you've been away for a couple of weeks, like you said, taking some time away from best ball. But I have been in these streets, as they say. I, I mean, I've been talking about it. I did a couple of interview episodes. If anybody has missed those, got some good stuff. Talked to James Brimacombe, longtime friend of the show. Got his thoughts on the current landscape of best ball after that talked with Liam Murphy the winner of best ball mania 2 had a great conversation with him he's a really sharp kid looking forward to seeing what he's got coming down the pipeline you know i just i just want to get you caught up on what's going on i've been drafting a ton and i've come away with what i i truly believe to be three absolute fantasy football truths okay i've i've been in the drafts draftkings drafters underdog i've been everywhere And I've come to the conclusion that these are three truths that are going to lead you to the promised land. It's going to increase your advancement rate. It's going to get you to the finals where you need to be to win all this money in best ball this season. And I just want your thoughts, you know, do you agree Mm -hmm. with these? And and we'll get to those at the end of the show. But first, (laughs) our old friend Cole Beasley came back with another album. He actually had the audacity to drop on the same day as Kendrick Lamar. You know, he's not worried about sales. He's like, Kendrick... (laughs) not sweating it. I got this heat. And, you know, we've done Cole Beasley music reviews every time he drops something. And I, I feel like we need to check in on, on our guys, see what the new project is sounding like. <laughs> yeah, I haven't listened. So this will be my first time listening to it. All right, let's uh, check out this first song. This is called Show Off by Cole Beasley on his new album, When Worlds Collide. 
Oh shit, hold up. Wrong thing, wrong thing. Wrong thing. The fuck was that? <laughs> Look. You know what I just that need was. to get up out the house. I'm gonna get you out here. We do this every weekend. I'm not new to this. I'm gonna show you. Alright? Just follow my lead, alright? Alright. He said, take this wrist. This shit goes just like this. This bitch froze. Now watch this. This bitch that owns this bitch in gifts like Christmas go. Chris and Rose, they ate spits long. They did, did know, and we get dope. We got friends in business, bro. See this shit, how we get on. Now just hold on this shit. Call this roller coaster. Never ending adrenaline revving. Now just let it regret. Let's dismiss it. You got cake and take it with your in the end. Just drink this shit. Follow me and then pay attention. I'll show you the way. Let's get I mean. He he does have a flow. He does. That was kind of. I will hard, give right? him that. I will give him that. He does have a flow to his music, and it doesn't sound horrible. Like he's definitely the best NFL rapper by far, in my opinion. Like Antonio Brown is trash. Le'Veon Bell trash. Cole Beasley, I think he can actually spit a little bit. Yeah, I mean the question is, uh, on is some he real still, shit, is he still an NFL rapper? Is he still in the league? That, uh, I guess. I he guess might that's just fair. He is a free now. agent, <laughs> full time. Full-time rapper. Yeah, I mean, his whole intro, which I didn't include in this, is, you know, just him saying that his parents never believed in him as a rapper. I'm like, well, probably because you were, like, a successful football player. They probably weren't even thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, like, he played, he played, like, 10 years of the NFL, had a very good career. Uh, I don't I don't think they <laughs> wanted him to become a rapper. He's but... like, they, they ain't know I was going to be a rapper till I dropped. Like, yeah, nobody was really on that. <laughs> But he's not bad. He's not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard beat. Let's play the second clip. This is from a banger that is titled Action. Ain't out here on the regular. I'm usually laying low like a tarantula. Now that I'm in this zone, I'm about to tear it up. Be aware of us. I don't know where the fuck I am. I just bump into another motherfucker. Goddamn, spill my drink. Don't slip, 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 slip. No, they want to come and get me on cam. Oh, Graham, really? Damn, no more I am. Get off my dick. One night stand, different type shit. Like, you just getting out to get a flick in my trend. Never understand, but fuck it, I'm lit. Fuck her, fuck in about the worth of my shit. Working night sips, so drinking like, yeah, yeah, ass doing burpees on the bourbon I've sipped. I don't know, man. I would be okay if he never dropped another project. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you got you got to be a different type of breed to to be in your car, you know, driving to work <laughs> or whatever, and put on that new Cole Beasley project. Like you, you got to be clinically insane, bro. There's definitely a kid who woke up in Missouri, opened up Spotify, and clicked this before the Kendrick album, guaranteed. <laughs> I mean, you're probably not wrong. So <laughs> I don't know, man. He just sounds like a broke Jack Harlow to me. He sounds like Chris Webby to me personally. That's disrespectful to Chris Webby. I mean, it is disrespectful, but that's just like the type of sound that he that he has, in my mm. opinion. Yeah, definitely getting more melodic. All right, well, you know, we'll check in on Cole in the future. Hopefully, hopefully, we don't ever have to. But it's a long-standing tradition at this point. We got to <laughs> check in. You know, we'll check in on any NFL rap if anyone else wants to step to the plate i don't know there's got to be some players with bars out there right probably uh they just are focused on um you know being nfl players not rappers that's preposterous uh, <laughs> you know all of the nfl rappers like you said aren't in the nfl anymore yeah antonio brown Le'Veon bell cole beasley all really well you know adjusted people keep themselves out of the headlines yeah yeah <laughs> interesting interesting all right let's get to the real meat of this show three fantasy football truths this is what you're going to need to win the tournaments 
this year. And the first thing is that I believe you are going to need at least one Packers running back on your squadron to win. I think these are two players with league winning potential in Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. What are your thoughts? My initial thoughts are that I don't think you'll end up needing one of these guys to win. I definitely love Aaron Jones and he's going as, you know, a late second round pick on underdog currently. His ADP is 23.4. And I do think that is pretty low for a player that I think is going to see the highest target slash reception year of his career without Devontae Adams in 2022. So I definitely think Aaron Jones should be going higher than where he is right now. I would have him as a late first round pick, early second round pick. But, you know, is he really going to be a league winner as a top two round pick where his cost is pretty high and he's going around similar players to him and Leonard Fournette, DeAndre Swift, Alvin Kamara. I don't think you're going to need him, but I do love him this year. And then uh, AJ Dillon, I just think you're banking on an Aaron Jones injury for Dillon to absolutely smash because he's not going to get a lot of work in the passing game. He should get a decent share of the rushing equity in the offense. And obviously that is valuable in a Aaron Rodgers led offense. And they're going to be in the red zone a lot and they're going to score a lot of touchdowns. But we also know that Aaron Jones is a great touchdown scorer as well. And each of them will, I I think each of them will, you know, cannibalize each other as long as they're both healthy. So I just don't really see a way in which either one of them are like absolute league winners, but I definitely don't hate them in fantasy this year, if that makes sense. See, I think Aaron Jones has the potential to be a league winner. And just because you're a highly drafted player, you know, in the top two rounds doesn't mean you can't be a league winner. I mean, Jonathan Taylor was a league winner last season. and He was a fringe first round pick. So you can need certain players if they have monster seasons. And the thing with Aaron Jones is that it's just setting up to be a perfect storm. You mentioned that he could easily have the most targets of his career without Devontae Adams and the numbers definitely speak to that. He goes from averaging 3.3 targets per game to 5.9 targets per game without Devontae Adams in the lineup. The state of the Packers pass catchers right now is abysmal, right? They've got Sammy Watkins, career disappointment. Alan Lazard, who to me is nothing more than a role player. I don't care what fantasy Twitter tries to convince us of. Christian Watson, who's an upside rookie, but we definitely have to see on that. He could be very unpolished coming out. And then Robert Tunyon, who's 28 years old, coming off of an ACL. So Aaron Jones is going to be looked to more because of the familiarity with Aaron Rodgers. And he could be looked to more even on top of that, just because the lack of quality of these Packers pass catchers. Jones is pretty easily, in my opinion, opinion, the most explosive pass catcher period on the Packers. You take that into consideration. You take into account that it's he's not just a type of player who gets his value from pass catching. That's just added upside. He has been one of the most successful touchdown scorers in the NFL over the past couple of years. A.J. Dillon could impact that, but that brings in A.J. Dillon's potential value. He has all of the touchdown upside. We know that they could very easily run more run heavy this year because of the lack of pass catchers. And A.J. Dillon has that elite upside of becoming a full-time workhorse if Aaron Jones were ever to go out. He's affordable. You can get him in the mid rounds. And we saw even last year that he himself has pass catching upside, had three plus targets in just over a third of his games, had upside of getting six or seven targets in certain spots 
stats. Both of these guys have touchdown upside. Both of them have reception upside, and they are on objectively a good team, even though we're concerned about the departure of Devontae Adams. This is still a team that DraftKings, at least, you know, the odds makers are expecting to have a pretty good season. Their over-under on wins is 11. So this should be a mm-hmm. good team, positive game scripts. They've still got an elite quarterback, and they have an absolute need for somebody to step up and become playmakers on that offense. These might be the two best skill players on the Packers right now. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with all of your points. And, you know, A.J. Dillon is the RB25 on underdog. So he's not like cheap by any means, but he's not like overly expensive. And he does have that archetype that you want to target which is, you know, he's going to be an absolute workhorse if Aaron Jones were to ever miss with injury. Aaron Jones has missed games due to injury over his career. So A.J. Dillon definitely has that upside. Obviously, the floor, I think, is lower than some of the running backs that he's going around just because he is the RB2 on the Packers and he's really only going to see rushing volume and very limited passing game volume in my opinion. I I would say he's not risky but I think he's a little bit riskier than you know a guy like Elijah Mitchell who's going as RB24, Josh Jacobs, Travis Etienne, etc. But in terms of Aaron Jones, I I love Aaron Jones and Jones going as the RB12 is is just kind of disrespectful in my opinion cuz like you said this is setting up for Aaron Jones to have a monster year if he stays healthy, especially in the receiving game. So I love love Aaron Jones at his current ADP and I think I mean I agree that he could definitely be a league winner, but I, I don't I don't think AJ Dillon will be unless Aaron Jones goes down, which is kind of what you're drafting him for because you're obviously not drafting them on the on the same team. So yeah, no, for sure AJ Dillon's just still a little bit different to me. He's not like an Alexander Madison type where his only value comes from you know, the injury of the RB1 on the team. Mm-hmm. Like Alexander Madison needs Dalvin Cook to get hurt to find his way into your lineup at any given time during the year. I just don't think that that's necessarily true with AJ Dillon. I think he's more in the Kareem Hunt, Tony Pollard realm where he could have big weeks even with Aaron Jones in the lineup. I mean, those are the type of backs that I think are imperative to winning best ball. And I just think that Dillon has maybe the most touchdown upside outside of, say, Tony Pollard. Those are really the two guys that I I want the most exposure to. Yeah, no, and and definitely in the late rounds of the the first 10, so like the 7th, 8th, ninth round, these are the running backs you want to be targeting, right? Running backs that have some value, you know, some standalone value. But if their running back in front of them were to go out, they're going to absolutely smash. And A.J. Dillon and Tony Pollard are two of the running backs that fit this archetype. And they're going to make your lineup, you know, a couple times out of the year, even if Aaron Jones and Zeke stay healthy for the majority of the year. They're definitely valuable players, and I'm definitely going to have exposure to A.J. Dillon for sure. I just don't know if he's a league winner. That That's that's really it for me. All right, let's move on to the second of my three fantasy football truths. And this one, much like the theme of the show, is about healing. It's about letting go of of past pain and trauma. And, and that's what Clyde Edwards Hilaire has caused me over the past two years. You know, I, I just jumped headfirst into this infatuation with Clyde Ed- Edwards Hilaire based on, you know, his draft stock, his landing spot, all of this stuff. And what I failed to realize and you know part of that was just my own you know stubbornness you tried to tell me and it's that he's just not good he is just (laughs) not good enter ronald jones who 
also may not be not good. good. <laughs> yeah, he also may not be good. That's fair. That's fair. But we're talking about a pretty steep difference in price between these two players. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going at pick 85.6. He's the running back 28 on underdog. Ronald Jones, RB41, you're getting him almost 40 picks later, 127. And that seems to be the consensus is that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is still the primary running back here in KC, despite the addition of Ronald Jones. Our recent podcast contributor, Liam Murphy, posted a poll on Twitter this morning. You know, who's going to have more spike weeks in 2022? 60% of the answers favored Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So, you know, this is the consensus in the fantasy football community, the best ball community, is that it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire year once again. I am not going to get hurt again. I am going to be on the side of Ronald Jones. I mean, am I crazy to think that Ronald Jones could finish this year with like 10 plus touchdowns? No. Absolutely not. Any running back in an offense as explosive as the Chiefs and, you know, as fantasy friendly as the Chiefs is is going to be valuable, right? And now Clyde Edwards Hilaire is at his lowest cost of his entire career uh, going into year three. Ronald Jones, like you said, RB41 on underdog currently, so he's pretty cheap. Personally, I like both of them just because they haven't, you know, re-signed any of the running backs that they let go in Jarek McKinnon and Daryl Williams. So right now it's only CEH and Rojo there as the main two guys in. As it stands, I I think we're going to see Clyde become just the the pass down back, kind of the player that he was at LSU, and Rojo be, you know, the early down workhorse that's going to see a bunch of carries and a bunch of goal line attempts. So I definitely think Rojo on the Chiefs, you know, on a team that's going to be in the red zone frequently, that's going to be at the goal line a lot. I definitely think he could see 10, 11 rushing touchdowns this year. I guess really for me, it's like if CEH were to go down, does Ronald Jones elevate into that three down workhorse? And I don't think he does. So I definitely don't think he's a league winner by any stretch, but he's definitely a player that can make your lineup more likely than not if he scores a touchdown, especially at the running back position over the course of the season. So I'm definitely going to be drafting Ronald Jones and I'll draft some CEH too now at his you know, lowest cost ever. Yeah. And that's a good point. You know, I, I actually agree with you. I don't think that Ronald Jones becomes, you know, a a full workhorse three down back if CEH goes down, but you look at the players going around him and I don't, I don't think that many of those players have it too. Like Alexander Madison definitely does, but beyond that, you know, like Rashad White is not going to be a three down back if Fournette goes down. I don't think, you know, Carter is, or or James Robinson necessarily. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. I, I definitely like Rojo and I don't want to overthink this. You know, we're talking about a running back that could lead the Chiefs in rushing touchdowns and straight touches, I think, going in the 11th round. I think it's just the fact that his name is Ronald Jones that is going to deter people because he's been such a disappointment. Massive upgrade in offensive situation, coaching upgrade, and just situationally, you know, the Chiefs are a team that you're going to want exposure to. You look to weeks 15 and 16 in the playoffs, you know, where all the money is made in best ball, and we've got the Chiefs playing the Texans and the Seahawks, two of the worst teams in the NFL. These could be spots where the Chiefs are favored by, you know, two touchdowns. And what does that set up for? It sets up for monster Ronald Jones games down the stretch in the playoffs, and I'm all in on it. Yeah, I think that what a lot of people might overlook is just 
him leaving a situation where it was just kind of toxic for him. Obviously, he did not get along with the coaching staff. From what we see as just football watchers, Bruce Arians did not like playing Ronald Jones at all, even though Ronald Jones was productive when he got the ball. Yeah, he has his problems with pass protection and and catching or whatnot. But you know, in 2020, he averaged 5.1 yards per attempt, almost 1,000 yards on less than 200 carries, and he had 28 catches. Like, I think that's definitely in the range of outcomes on a better offense in a new situation. It's a fresh start for him. And I think, you know, just from a human perspective, like that probably means, you know, a lot to him, right? Just getting that fresh start, going to a new team, a new coaching staff. He has shown that he can be a capable running back in the NFL, but obviously there's like a net a lot of negative connotations towards Ronald Jones. So if you can get through, you know, that mental bias that some some of us may have, he is a pretty solid pick. I mean, this guy's averaged four and a half yards per carry in his career, which is pretty solid. And like I said, when he gets work, he produces. So absolutely. And just not getting stuck to your your prior takes, like you were saying, there is definitely important. And this is a, a prime example because I, I've notedly talked down on Ronald Jones pretty much every opportunity I've had. And I've hyped up Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but that was the past and this is now. And now is the time where Ronald Jones is going to set a career high in touchdowns. His previous high was seven. And if any listeners want to take me up on that, I got even money on Ronald Jones over seven touchdowns this season. Hit me up <laughs> at Ben Hover. All right. Now, We move on to the final truth of fantasy football, and this is going to be the most impactful one. This is the one that I'm most confident in, and this is the one that people are going to look back on and just shake their heads. You know, how did we not see this coming? Much like they did last year when they were drafting Robert Woods over Cooper Cup. How how did I let this happen? How was it even a conversation in my head as Cooper Cup went on to absolutely demolish the NFL and win people hundreds of thousands of dollars? That is what's going to be happening this year in 2022 with Mike Williams. People are going to be in absolute awe and just shock when they think back to all of the times they took Keenan Allen over Mike Williams because Mike Williams is going to be this year's Cooper Cup. I'm putting it out there right now. What do you think? Am I onto something here? I, I mean, I, I love Mike Williams, and I I don't I don't know. I, so if you look at just their career stats and and like the trajectory, like you could definitely make a case. Like they have a very similar career path. Very um similar. I've got the numbers. Yeah, yeah, they they have a very similar path. Cooper Cup has earned targets at a higher rate than Mike Williams. So I think that's number one is Cooper Cup is just a better wide receiver and he's going to earn more targets as he has in the last three years of his career. You know, albeit Mike Williams was playing with, you know, Phillip Rivers who could barely even get the ball 40 yards downfield for, you know, three years or whatever. So that's number one. Number two is Cooper Cup hit the nut situation last year with Woods going down midseason with Akers not being healthy. Higby obviously was pretty much dust for the entire year. And then behind 
Woods before they signed Odell. They had nobody. It was really just Cooper Cup's team to feast. And obviously him and Matt Stafford, breakfast narrative, whatever, they had a great connection and that showed. And I think Mike Williams is dealing with more competition than what Cup had last year. You know, you got your Keenan Allen, your Gerald Everett, who they signed. Austin Eckler is obviously going to be a factor in the passing game. Josh Palmer started to come on towards the end of last year. And, you know, we we kind of expected that if they didn't sign Mike Williams, Josh Palmer would be the replacement. But I think Josh Palmer will eventually be Keenan Allen's replacement. But Keenan Allen is still very good. He's still going to command targets. So I think that's just the second thing is there's more competition for targets and I just don't see a way he gets 180 190 targets and then the third thing is just the offensive system you know we saw to start 2021 they put him in that Cooper Cup role they were the same player for the first month first six weeks of 2021 right they both look like absolute league winners Cup's role stayed the same Joe Lombardi changed Mike Williams role and put him back to that outside wide receiver where we saw him lose targets from that point on and we saw him have very minimal spike weeks and I would know because I fucking had him and I thought I was lit in redraft like yeah I got Mike Williams league winner (laughs) and then he scores like eight seven point games over the last 10 games of the season. So that's really my only concern is will they put him back in that role? There's more competition for targets than what Cooper Cup had last year, and he's just not as good of a player as Cooper Cup. Right, but let's let's phrase it like this. You know, Cooper Cup wasn't the type of player that Cooper Cup was before last year either. Nobody was looking at Cooper Cup like an undisputed top five wide receiver in the league like they do now. And I think that that could be the trajectory that we see Mike Williams follow. You described how their situations were similar. And I think back to 2019 when Cooper Cup for the first eight weeks of the season was the number two wide receiver. That was the year that Mike Thomas was setting all those records and and Cooper Cup was, you know, literally right behind him, similar to how Mike Williams was right behind Cooper Cup. Last year, we saw the upside with Cooper Cup in the past, so it shouldn't have been as shocking as it was that he took that leap. We saw that he could be a consistent top-tier wide receiver for a long stretch, and we saw that as Mike Williams was the wide receiver too last season for the first five weeks. He had more points than Adams, Tyreek, Debo. Like, he can do that. And I think the Chargers realize that he can do that. They could have let Mike Williams go. You know, they could have chased another elite wide receiver. Obviously, there are wide receivers available. You know, all these guys were on the market, even the guys who weren't supposed to be on the market. They chose to keep Mike Williams. They chose to give Mike Williams $60 million fully guaranteed, fully guaranteed contract for Mike Williams as he enters the prime of his career. Yeah, Keenan Allen is definitely still there, but he's 30 years old. And just with the amount of confidence they've shown in Mike Williams, I think that they are looking back on last year and saying, how can we improve? We have to keep Mike Williams. We have to maintain the role that we initially gave him and let him feast in that role because he can be a true difference maker. And as for the target competition, I agree Cooper Cup ran extremely well last year in terms of the Robert Woods injury, and it was a while before they brought Odell in and he got fully acclimated. But outside of Keenan and then what Eckler's going to get, I just, I don't know, man, like Gerald Everett, Josh Palmer, Jalen Guyton, like these guys are role players. I'm not worried about, you know, Gerald Everett in the same way that I wouldn't be worried about Tyler Higby impacting Cooper Cup. Like he is not a major factor. So I, I think the upside is there for Mike Williams. I think we've seen the production to know that it's within his range at least. And he has hands down the best quarterback of any wide receiver getting drafted in rounds three and four. I mean, it's just a fact. He's got a great situation. At worst, he pays off value. At best, 
he's going in the first round next year and you've absolutely smashed everything by being high on Mike Williams. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm definitely higher on Mike Williams than the consensus, but his cost has also risen as he's gone from, you know, an ADP of 45 to a current ADP of 38.6, right? So he's getting more expensive as the weeks go on. He's the wide receiver 17, and I definitely think he can finish as a top eight, top seven wide receiver. Just football-wise, at the end of the day, there's just absolutely no chance He's getting 120 plus catches and 15 plus touchdowns with Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler there. Cause like we saw last year with Cooper Cup, like Woods got hurt, right? He was in a factor. He was only competing with Van Jefferson and Tyler Higby for a majority of the season until Odell came along, right? So it was out of necessity that Cup was the main guy for the Rams and for Matt Stafford in 2021 and obviously worked out very well but there is just literal zero chance Mike Williams I mean Cup had 145 catches last year there I mean there's zero chance Mike Williams hits 125 just zero period okay maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong it's May so we got a couple months I mean we got a long time but maybe clip this he's not getting 120 plus catches he's not getting 15 plus touchdowns I think a a great stat line for Mike Will this year would be, you know, kind of similar to what he had last year. Maybe a couple more catches, like 90, 95 catches, 13, 1,400 yards, and 10 touchdowns. I I think that's a pretty solid Mike Williams projection, but that's not the next Cooper Cup. Yeah, see, I think you might be a little bit off with that because what you're not accounting for is Justin Herbert going from throwing 38 touchdowns to 50-plus this season as he (laughs) leads the Chargers to the Super Bowl. (laughs) I mean, I mean, maybe he he throws 50 plus, you know, obviously that'd be a 99th percentile outcome because most quarterbacks are going to throw between 30 and 40 throughout the year you know so if you're you're if you're expecting a crazy year out of the chargers then yes i would be higher on mike will keenan eckler than consensus but one they're all pretty expensive it's harder to be higher than the field on players that are already very expensive from this offense and even if you know herbert throws 50 touchdowns is mike will getting 15 of those like if he's throwing 50 touchdowns it's probably getting spread around throughout everybody on the offense i mean i definitely think he scores like 10 but 15 i i think cup had 16 i i think mike williams is going for like 13 or 14 and 1500 yards yeah i mean that that that's fair um i think that's definitely at, at the top of his range for sure personally i wouldn't project him for that but if you're higher on the chargers like i said i mean fuck it gotta gotta <laughs> gotta take your stand somewhere and if you think Mike Williams is the next Cooper Cup, then, you know, you got to be higher than the field on him in terms of exposure. And hopefully you can capitalize on it and, you know, potentially win all the money come January. I mean, that's the goal. And another part of this thing that ma- that makes me so high on Mike Williams is the players he's going around. Like the four wide receivers going ahead of Mike Williams right now, Jalen Waddell, Michael Pittman, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore. I don't think any of them have that in, yeah. in their ranges. You know, no. they just don't because of the offensive situations they're in. And and Mike Williams, to me, does. For that reason, he should be above all of those guys. And I would, you know, venture to take him ahead of Keenan Allen and T. Higgins as well. Like, I legitimately think he should be going inside the top 12 right now. Yeah, I mean, if you want the hot take and, you know, I'll end on this. The next Cooper Cup is Amari Cooper. 
keep the coops going. Amari Cooper, Ooh. especially if Watson doesn't get suspended, which he might only get suspended for like three games. Look, I don't have a problem with that take, and I I would welcome it considering how much Amari Cooper I've been drafting lately. This dude goes. <laughs> Amari Cooper's way too cheap right games. now, but that's another conversation. Yeah, that, that's a that, that's a conversation that we will have immediately following the Deshaun Watson suspension news. I think because <laughs> yeah, that's a cause... big part of it. Big yeah. part. And hopefully we'll have that news soon. Regardless, though, it was great to have you back on the podcast. Welcome back. And we're going to be dropping pretty often now. You know, we're we're just cooped up in this house, ready to drop podcasts. So that's what's going to be coming out lately. A ton of podcasts, getting the video situation settled. And we'll be back with a ton of content coming up. Hope you guys enjoyed this return to the podcast from Joey. And that is going to be it for episode 211 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Halver. Joey's at Joey Carrying DFS. If you guys want to connect with us, stay up to date, join the inner circle. You can do so for free in our Discord. The link to join that is in the show notes to the podcast. And to everybody out there listening, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Bye.